Hello, how's it going? It's good to see you all, to be with you this morning. Always amazed we set up chairs and prepare a gathering and, and we come, people come, people show up. It's an awesome thing. So thanks for giving of your time this morning and being here and making this a rhythm in your life. And uh, as Steph mentioned, it is Pentecost Sunday. And so we're going to be diving into uh, what is and who is and belief in the Holy Spirit. I want to just quickly say thanks to, he's not here, but uh, Nelson last week doing such a great job. We wrapped up a little mini series on worship, a practice series on worship. And then uh, now we're back into the Apostles' Creed and looking at uh, the Holy Spirit. But uh, one thing Nelson mentioned, I don't know if you remember from last week, uh, the kind of the through line in that worship series was encounter with God and worship essentially being encounter. And I just love that. And I think it's possible to encounter God, the spirit of Christ dwelling amongst us, guiding us, filling us, empowering us, renewing us, comforting us, healing us. It's all possible because of the Holy Spirit. And so that's uh, what we're going to look at today. And uh, as we jump in back into this creed, I'm hoping for a little bit of this. Gustav Mahler, 19th century Austrian composer, said, Tradition is not the worship of ashes, but the preservation of fire. So as we go into this historic traditional creed, uh, don't want to just worship the ashes of it, but we really want to preserve the fire of what's behind these beliefs. So, with that in mind, let's pray, and then we'll read the Apostles' Creed together, just to remind us what we've been looking at for the last several months, and we'll go from there. Let's pray. God, I thank you. You are here. You are with us. You are for us. God, I am expectant that you'll speak to us and through me, in spite of me, and that you would... uh, you be glorified this morning. So we come to you, uh, God, Father, Son, and Spirit, and we ask you to move and speak and help us to be open and to learn this morning and to be transformed because of you. Amen. All right, well, should we read the creed just to remind us, kind of reorient us? Where are we? This is what we've been talking about, so let's read it together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. If you've been around, I I don't know if some of those phrases, saying them conjure up, Uh, old sermons in the last few months, but there's so much attached to each phrase and where it comes from and scriptural uh, scriptural authority that backs up these statements. 
And so uh, I, for me, I just, I read through this creed. I'm like, oh, yeah, right, to judge the living and the dead. And now we look at this last paragraph. I believe in the Holy Spirit is the first sentence of the last paragraph. We're bringing it home, the Apostles' Creed. And uh, I like J.I. Packer's outline. So paragraph one, if you want to help me out here, Jordan, go back to the first one here. Yeah, I believe in God. He, he, he outlines it this way. This is the creative work of the Father. Then paragraph two, the rescue and the work of Jesus in this side and the next. And then the third one is uh, turning to the recreating work of the Spirit. And there's this sense of making things new, the work of the Spirit in. And if you look at the last slide, the last, uh, sorry, I believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Catholic Church, just a side note, is not the big C Catholic Church, but Catholic as in unified church. So don't be scared if you see that or excited. I don't know what your feeling is when you see Catholic church, but that's what it means. It's not saying we're turning Catholic or that we're Catholic in that sense. I'm going to stop talking because I'm just making it more confusing, but holy Catholic just means unified church. Um, And uh, there's the newness in the church, the new community. So we're going to be talking about that. Forgiveness, where relationships are made new. Resurrection, the new existence and everlasting life the new fulfillment. So this is all because of the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, amen. Or some of you said, amen. But first comes this profession in, of faith in the Spirit. And uh, again, to quote Packer, truly, it is a glorious thing to believe in the Holy Spirit. Well, my question is, why is it a glorious thing? I believe the phrase starts... Um, I found this so helpful, but in one of the first or second sermons on the Apostles' Creed, Lance laid out for us a kind of a new way of viewing that phrase, I believe. Do you remember that? How many of, for how many of you was that an impactful shift for you in viewing the words, I believe? You don't have to raise your hands, but if, for me, it was, it was essential. Instead of viewing belief as, I know this to be certain, for absolute sure. Instead, he laid it out like this. Belief, I believe, could mean I am believing into or I am actively trusting. I am living in a relation of commitment toward. So helpful. So what, my question this morning, does it mean to believe or believe into the Holy Spirit? Uh, A quick confession here, I am a bit of a baseball poser. If you've seen me outside of Sunday gatherings, I love wearing baseball hats. I collect baseball hats like my brother Spencer. And um, we, uh, except I'm not speaking for you now. For me, I, I can actually say I love baseball. I believe in baseball. I, I went to San Francisco recently, and so I bought a San Francisco Giants hat. And of course... And it's, it's so sweet. I just love it. It's crisp. It's fresh. Black, orange. Oh, it's so good. But I don't regularly play baseball. I don't even think I could name over five uh, baseball players' names that currently play now. I'm confessing you uh, this because, uh, again, I'm a bit of a poser. And maybe I believe in baseball, but I'm not believing into baseball, if you could put it that way. 
And uh, my friend Evan, who's not here this morning, he believes into baseball. He follows stats. He's digging into the sport. And me, I'm just a, a wee little poser. But I'm happy doing that because I like the sport. And maybe one day I will be inspired to believe into it a bit more. And so in this sense, I think belief is a little more involved. It's not just the act of knowing something, but to live into it, to lean into it, to actively trust in. And this is why our mandate as a church is not believing God in the renewal of all things. What is our mandate as a church? Joining God in the renewal of all things, or believing into God and joining him in the renewal of all things. It's active. So what would it look like? Again, I ask the question, what would it look like for us to believe into the Holy Spirit? What would our church look like? Just imagine this. What would our church look like if everyone took on this responsibility of actively believing into the Holy Spirit? When I was given this assignment to preach, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I got my assignment. Holy Spirit, here we go. Step two was a mix of preparation, of study and prayer, uh, kind of gathering some resources and praying, God, what do you want to say? What is the fresh word? This is, a, this is something we talk about a lot, the Holy Spirit. What is the fresh word for today? So I entered into this kind of period of preparation and I started reading about the text uh, and the topic of the Holy Spirit. And this time, for some reason, it wasn't clicking. I wasn't jumping out to me. It was all feeling a little bit too mechanical. Like people were talking about the Holy Spirit and the actions and references here. Uh, but I wasn't feeling the breath, the freshness of the Holy Spirit. It kind of felt a little bit like the moon landing. Uh, and this recent documentary that I watched, uh, Apollo 11. How many of you seen that? Okay, good crowd, right? How many of you know that it exists but didn't want to watch it? Yeah. <laughs> well, I tricked you there. But uh, Apollo 11 is a documentary about the mission to the moon, Neil Armstrong and his crew. And uh, something uh, was sticking out to me as I was watching this. It's amazing footage. It's the preparation, the launch and return of this mission to the moon. Um, and it just felt really technical and kind of emotionally flat. And uh, I, hear, I hear these astronauts going on to the moon. It took them like a few days to get there because it's really far away. It's in outer space. And they travel to the moon and they get onto the moon and it's kind of like, before Neil Armstrong says his famous quote, uh, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. He says, he's like describing it. He steps down, he's like, it's kind of a gray substance and uh, sandy, really fine material. Like he's describing what's happening. He just goes into science mode. And for once, I just wanted Neil to go like, whoa, this is crazy. <laughs> I'm on the moon. And, and that's kind of how I felt with my preparation for today was I had a lot of people describing what the Holy Spirit was and does, but I just wanted someone to say, like, ah! <laughs> like, you can't control this. I don't know if you felt this way. So I was reading, and I realized this is probably more a reflection on my library than the content out there, but 
it just wasn't clicking. So I did what any person would do in this situation. I went to Nelson James Boschman, the Reverend Doctor. And um, I realized something. I had been only reading male theologians. And uh, so I was thinking, I don't know if it's related to maleness in this topic, but I asked him, do you have any good resources on the Holy Spirit written by females? And Nelson pointed me to this woman, Barbara Brown Taylor, pastor and author in the USA. And oh, what a fresh breath of air. Some might say a breath of fresh air. <laughs> and uh, depend how you speak English. Um, I just fell in love with this woman. She's amazing, and she gave me this, for me, she was this fresh voice on who and what the Holy Spirit does. I'm going to read an excerpt from a, uh, a sermon she gave about the Holy Spirit. There's some very fine, Steph read this this morning, let me read it again. There's some very fine teaching available on the Holy Spirit. I'm like, yes, I know. That's what I'm doing. And I hope none of you is satisfied with it. What? I hope none of you rests until you have felt the Holy Spirit blow through your own life, rearranging things, opening things up, and maybe even setting your own head on fire. There's nothing you can do to make it happen. As far as I know, except to pray, Come, Holy Spirit, every chance you get. If you don't want anything to change in your life, then for heaven's sake, don't pray that. But if you are the type of person who likes to stand out on the porch when there is a storm moving through so you can feel the power that is pushing the trees around, then you are probably a good candidate for the Holy Spirit prayer. Oh, Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. I realized the problem in my sermon prep was that I was approaching the sermon from here, and I was thinking, how can I understand this, and how can I communicate it? And the subtext, how will people like me? Which is an, which is an honest confession. But it is so much more nuanced than this. Uh, I realized I needed a personal Pentecost as Barbara Brown Taylor says, or Barb, as I'm calling her now, the Holy Spirit I needed to blow through my own life, rearranging things, opening things up, and to set my own head on fire. Oh, we all need a fresh voice like this. Amen. Whether it's a friend or an outside voice like Barb's. And that's, I want to say and uh, contend, I think that's the Spirit. That's what the Spirit is doing. Uh, and maybe, maybe you've experienced this before or felt this before. You hear or resonate or observe a truth that deeply connects. And it may even cause a physical reaction. You feel warmed or goosebumps. And it draws you, and this is really important, it draws you into the love of God where you encounter Jesus. So I think Pentecost is a similar type of encounter that the church had with the Spirit. Uh, in fact, it was the birth of the church. This is how the church was started, was a breath of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be going in and out of Acts chapter 1 and 2 
on pages 758 and 759. So if you want to, you can follow along in your chair Bibles, and you can jump in when I refer to a part there. But that's, that's the story that Luke tells. Luke is the author who also wrote the Gospel of Luke, which is the account of Jesus' life. And now people say this is like Acts. Uh, some people call it the Acts of the Apostles. Some people call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Barbara Brown Taylor calls it the Act or the, uh, the Gospel of the Holy Spirit. This is the second part of Luke's uh, massive writing about Jesus and his life and the beginning of the church. Acts 2, 1 to 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like a rushing, a rush of violent wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. I was uh, recently introduced to what is known as a hongi. Uh, a hongi is a... Uh, a traditional Maori greeting, and the Maori people are the uh, the indigenous people of New Zealand. Uh, and to demonstrate, I'm going to have my friend Hayden, who is a Kiwi, come up here, and we're going to demonstrate what a hongi is. Oh yes, thank you, Hayden. What a trooper for getting up and going for it. But it's this really beautiful exchange and awkward depending on how, you're, how you feel about personal space. But it's the, the idea that this breath of life is exchanged in a symbolic show of unity. So what's really powerful is when enemies engage in this traditional greeting. The word uh, conspire, it can also mean this same thing to breathe together uh, so do this with me. Take a breath in and out. So if breathing together means to conspire, uh, we've officially just launched a conspiracy. And uh, you can hear the word spirit in there too, conspire, to conspire, to be filled with the same spirit, to be enlivened by the same wind. And we're sharing that in this space together in more ways than one. There's a connection uh, to what's happening here spiritually when we do this. And Barbara Brown Taylor says, you're going to be hearing a lot from her this morning. Um, she says, what happens between us when we come together to worship God is that the Holy Spirit swoops in and out among us, knitting us together through the songs we sing, the prayers we pray, the breaths we breathe. It can happen with two people, and it can happen with 2,000 people. It can scare us or comfort us, confuse us, or clarify things for us. But as far as I, I can tell, the Holy Spirit never bullies us. We're always free to choose whether or how we will respond. Take another breath. In and out. Remember these words from Jesus after his death and resurrection in John 20. Later on that day, the disciples had gathered together, but fearful of the Jews had locked all the doors in the house. Jesus entered, stood among them, and said, Peace to you. 
Then he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples, seeing the master with their own eyes, were exuberant. Jesus repeated his greeting, peace to you, just as the Father sent me, I send you. Then he took a deep breath, and he breathed into them. Receive the Holy Spirit, he said. After this, you know the story, but I'm going to read another uh, retelling of the story in the upper room where the Holy Spirit met and empowered the first church. Again, from Barbara Brown Taylor, uh, this is her retelling of that moment. So just sit back and relax. Listen, imagine what it would be like to be in that room, to be among that people. Um, maybe even close your eyes if it helps you to focus, but here is the story of Pentecost. <clears throat> there they were, about 120 of them, Luke says, all moping around, wondering what they were going to do without Jesus when they heard a holy hurricane headed their way. Before any of them could defend themselves, that mighty wind had blown through the entire house, striking part sparks that burst into flames above their heads. And they were filled up with it. Every one of them was filled to the gills with God's own breath. Then something clamped down on them, and the air came out of them in languages they did not even know they knew. Like a room full of bagpipes all going at once, they set up such a racket that they drew a crowd, people from all over the world who were in Jerusalem for the festival of Pentecost came leaning in the windows and pushing through the doors, surprised to hear someone speaking their own language so far from home. Parthians stuck their heads through the door, expecting to see other Parthians, and Libyans looked around for other Libyans, but what they saw instead were a bunch of Galileans, rural types from northern Israel, dressed in the equivalent of first century overalls. All of them going on and on about God's mighty acts, like a bunch of PhDs in Middle Eastern languages. Before the day was over, the church had grown from 120 to more than 3,000. Shy people had become bold. Scared people had become gutsy. And lost people had found a sure sense of direction. Disciples who had not believed themselves capable of tying their own sandals without Jesus discovered abilities within themselves they never knew they had. When they opened their mouths to speak, they sounded like Jesus. When they laid their hands upon the sick, it was as if Jesus himself had touched them. In short order, they were doing things they had never seen anyone but him do. And there was no explanation for it, ex except that they had dared to inhale on the day of Pentecost. They had sucked in God's own breath, and they had, transformed, had been transformed by it. The Holy Spirit had entered into them the same way it had entered into Mary, the mother of Jesus, and for the same reason. It was time for God to be born again, not in one body this time, but in a body of believers who would receive the breath of life from their Lord and pass it on, using their own bodies to distribute the gift. The book of Acts is the story of their adventures 
which is why I like to think of it as the gospel of the Holy Spirit. In the first four books of the New Testament, we learn the good news of what God did through Jesus Christ. In the book of Acts, we learn the good news of what God did through the Holy Spirit by performing artificial resuscitation on a room full of well-intentioned bumblers and turning them into a force that changed the history of the world. And she continues, and it's on the screen. The question for me is whether we still believe in a God who acts like that. Do we still believe in a God who blows through closed doors and sets our heads on fire? Do we still believe in a God with power to transform us, both as individuals and as people? Or have we come to an unspoken agreement that our God is pretty old and tired by now? Someone to whom we may address our prayer requests, but not anyone we really expect to change our lives. What are we believing about the Spirit's activity today? What are we believing that is possible with the Spirit? I read in Scripture this magnificent list, the Holy Spirit's activity to convict, guide, regenerate, reveal, empowers, fills, calls, teaches, anoints, washes, renews, unifies, seals, guarantees, speaks, comforts, heals, transforms, cries, gives, makes, reminds, moves. I want, to see, I want to see these things. Come, Holy Spirit. John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Church Movement, said, we cannot successfully live the Christian life in our own strength. The Father has sent the Holy Spirit to empower us. We are commanded in Scripture to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So back to Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 to 5. This is before all of what I just read. Acts 1, 4 to 5. On the occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Two commands, very simple. I think they're for us today. Do not leave and wait. In just a moment, we're going to enter a time of response. And I think even if we stay in the room, the temptation sometimes is to leave or to check out mentally. Uh, but to stay, to, to not leave, to be in the moment, to pause. So many times we there's just huge bombs that are dropped from up here and we never really get a chance to, to breathe them in and to just reflect on them for a while. So in a moment, we're going to do that. I want to encourage you with these two commands, the same ones that Luke wrote that Jesus said to his disciples, don't leave, wait. Uh, do not leave Again, I think mentally we can check out 
but sometimes it's the hardest thing to do just to remain present and stay there. And, uh, and the reason we can is because Barbara Brown Taylor said the Holy Spirit never bullies us. We're always free to choose whether or how we will respond. So I can say, honestly, if you have felt bullied or pressured into responding to the Holy Spirit, I can say that is not the Spirit. And if you are feeling convicted about change, maybe that's the Spirit. Regardless, whatever way the Spirit is speaking to you this morning, stay. Stay in the room. Stay Stay mentally, spiritually. Don't leave. I'm reminded of, uh, and Mitch helped me remind myself of this, but uh, his shirt. Can you stand up for a second? I don't know if you can see there, but he's got some loggerhead turtles on his shirt. It's a really great shirt. Congrats to the designer. And uh, I don't know if you remember this, but um, I, I like to say I declared the, na- the, uh, the mascot for Artisan Church is the loggerhead turtle. And we, there's a couple of sermons there in a row where we focused on this, this animal, this creature, that the only way it can survive is if it stays in the current. And this animal from birth is instinctively drawn to the ocean and follows the current on this crazy journey, thousands of miles in the water, and it can't do it unless it's in the current. And it's such a beautiful picture of how we as Christians, we can't survive, we can't do anything of importance without the Spirit moving us, guiding us along. What happens to the loggerhead turtle when it falls out of the current? When it goes, when it leaves the current, it's death. There's still water. There's garbage and junk. But in the river, there's life. It's flowing. It's moving. And uh, I just think it's such a great example, such a great picture for us as followers of Christ to stay in the current, to do what it takes. It doesn't mean we get a free ride. We don't go on the current and like, woohoo, this is awesome. Sometimes we need that, but we still flap our little fins. We go here and there. We're pushing along. But the main thrust, the power comes from the current, comes from the spirit, which guides us, which connects us to this whole tradition All these things we're saying about the Apostles' Creed when we come to the table and we gather every week, it's because of the Spirit's activity. Otherwise, it's hollow. It's nothing. So thank you, Mitch, for that reminder. And the second command is to wait. And if if not leaving is hard, maybe waiting is even harder. That, That word in the Greek, wait, means to remain in a place and or state with expectancy concerning a future event. Expectancy. I love that word. I think we can learn a lot from our charismatic brothers and sisters about this. And maybe you've been to or experienced a worship gathering that is uh, in a charismatic church where their songs are being, it seems like, repeated over and over again. Like, you're like, get me out of here. So we're stuck in this, this groove. Like, what's going on? But I, I think there's something to that, and it just kind of dawned on me, oh, in those moments, and I can only speak for someone who's in that moment in, from a pure heart's perspective, that they're in real time working out what the song is saying. They're, so as an example, Jesus uh, bring new wine. Jesus bring new wine. And, and, they, and they, we, they keep repeating it, 
and saying it over and over again to, to almost tell themselves and reorient and, and make them believe Jesus is bringing new wine and not just for me, but for people around me. And, oh, Jesus, bring new wine for my job. Yes, I'm going to be a freshness. And there, there's like this working out in real time that is happening. I just love that. I think we can also learn something from our contemplative brothers and sisters about this. And we have a dozen or so, 20 people, I think, on Bowen Island right now uh, engaging in a silent retreat. And the whole retreat's purpose is to say, I think, a version of the prayer, come Holy Spirit, what are you saying? How are you moving? In silence, without acting, without singing the songs over and over again. But why wait? Well, because there's nothing we can do to make it happen. We need to wait. I just imagine the earlier followers thinking, okay, Jesus said the power is coming. The Spirit is coming upon us to move, to breathe on us. This power is coming. Now what? Now what do we do? Do we make it happen? And he said, no, just wait. Just wait, be still. And in this moment, I think we'll hear Jesus say, I'm still here. I'm real. I'm still with you. I'm still for you. And in Acts 1.8, you will receive power, it says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And this is the, the third part. It's not the command, but this is what happens to the followers when they uh, don't leave. And when they wait, they receive. And they receive what I talked about, that list before. They receive all these things. The next slide there. They receive conviction, guidance, regeneration, revelation, empowerment, filling, calling, instruction, anointing, cleansing, renewal, unity. That's supposed to say unity, not unity. Comfort, healing, and transformation. And it even sa it says in the scripture, it says, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying, you know what baptism is. When you go down into the waters and come up again anew, I'm saying be filled with the Holy Spirit like that. Be fully immersed. Feel the Spirit blow into your life, rearranging things, opening things up, and maybe even setting your head on fire. Come, Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to pray as we come to the table and as we respond today. And just want to invite you to pray it again and again. Come, Holy Spirit, and be surprised and be open to the ways that the Holy Spirit will respond. I wonder if there's a way, maybe during this response time, first of all, to stay in the room. Don't leave. I know some people have to go pick up their children. But even just for a moment, stay in the room. Don't leave. And then as we respond today, wait, wait. For the Spirit, as you say, come Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you in the response time, not just to go through the motions, not just to come to the table because that's what you do, uh, not to ignore the prayers of the people table because that's what you do, not to ignore the prayer that's happening over here, or an opportunity perhaps to ask God for a word of encouragement for someone in this room. We can be, uh, we can be living and active in the Spirit right now in this time and space, so as we come to the table this morning, I want to invite us to this response and to say that prayer for us personally and collectively. Come, Holy Spirit, and just see what the Spirit will do as you open up.
to that prayer. Does that sound good? It's kind of awesome how this worked out, but uh, I wasn't planning on sharing this, but the last, my last word of the, of the sermon was, Come Holy Spirit, and just the way the formatting worked, it just ended up on the last page. It's just one huge page with Come Holy Spirit. I think maybe that's symbolic. There's a lot of work to be done, a lot of page to fill in yet, that we don't, we don't have all the answers, um, but simply to pray that prayer. So if you will, join me in this. I'm going to be praying this prayer too. Um, who's on the prayer team this morning? Bree, Bree and I will be over here praying for you. If you need anything, if you want to pray, bring something to the Lord together. We'll gladly do that together. Like I said, consider what the Spirit is saying to you. Maybe an encouraging word for someone in the room. Uh, maybe he's, he's uh, calling you to just say it quietly to yourself. Come, Holy Spirit. And as we say the table litany, which we say every week, let's view it with a fresh lens through the Spirit's work. All right? The gospel is the good news that God, our Father, the Creator, out of His great love.